This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode on Seneca's writings. Now, today I'm going to be focusing on the last few lines of letter number seven. Uh, And in this section, he's kind of just rounding off the letter like he usually does. And he's, as he would say, he's he's paying his debts and and settling the account with a few quotes uh, that he feels are important and, and interesting to think about. And so he says the following, quote, Democritus says... One man means as much to me as the multitude, and a multitude only as much as one man. The following also was nobly spoken by someone or other, for it is doubtful who the author was. They asked him what was the object of all this study applied to an art that would reach but few. He replied, I am content with few, content with one, content with none at all. So I want to pause here for a second, because I think that this advice that Seneca is sharing is just so wise and so useful. And I want to give you an artist's perspective, uh, you know, because I recently heard, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who I was listening to, but I remember the quote. I remember what they were talking about. I wish I knew who it was, but uh, it's an idea that's very common among artists, which is the idea that when you're creating something, you want to create that something for one person, you know, yourself, you know, it's intrinsic value. You're searching for intrinsic worth in what you're creating. And the idea is that if if you're constantly worried about what everybody else will think, then that's going to muddy the waters of your creative output. It's going to make it really difficult for you to create something that is honest, real, truthful, uh, and, and unique to you because, you know, all of a sudden you're not trying to create something beautiful just for the sake of creating something beautiful. You're creating it for the mob. And that's not art, that's propaganda. And the thing is, you can do the exact same thing when you're practicing philosophy or if you're trying to engage in personal growth or in, uh, you know, practicing virtue or even, you know, practicing just doing your job really well. You know, you can often get to the place where, you know, you care way too much about what other people think and that muddies the water of your own personal growth and your practice of philosophy and you start to become a propagandist for your persona as opposed to truly practicing the art of virtue and of philosophy, the love of wisdom, right? Because philosophy is an inward-facing game. It's something that we do for the sake of virtue and for the sake of perfecting our souls, right? It's not something that you do so that you can look good to other people. Now, looking good to other people may eventually be some kind of side effect of the practice of philosophy, but that's not what you do it for. And if you're doing that, then it's, it's, it's this game that you play with your persona, the mask you wear to the outer public, right, where you're trying to make that beautiful as opposed to the contents of your soul and the contents of your heart. And, you know, I remember having a conversation uh, with my boss when I worked at the gym, right? And uh, my boss was, you know, a very good businessman, uh, you know, had done very well for himself and, and was also very wise in his own right. You know, he, he gave some excellent advice. And 
I always remember something that he told me one day because we were talking about uh, this awards ceremony that was that was coming up, and it was uh, you know the big national awards, and and there are a few awards that I knew that if I played my cards right, then I would be up for those awards, and uh, and I and I actually believed that I had a really good chance. And so we were discussing this one day and I was talking about all the, you know, the kind of metrics that we were going to have to try and hit if we were going to get these awards and if I was going to get this award. And I remember that he said something to me along the lines of, you know, just remember that there are always going to be people in companies like this who are just out to get the awards and they're going to do exactly what they have to do to get the awards so that they can look good to other people. Uh, But, you know, Sooner or later, time catches up with them and reveals them for who they actually are and all of the faults that they had that they weren't paying attention to because they were only interested in the awards. And it was such annoying advice to hear because he was exactly right. (laughs) You know, it's the kind of advice that as soon as you hear it, you can immediately see how it applies to you. And so I immediately started thinking about all the things that I wasn't paying attention to simply because they didn't apply to the specific awards that I wanted to get. And, you know, this is a good lesson in how we really need to pull our focus inwardly, pull our focus way back to the intrinsic value that we get from virtue, from doing things right, from cleaning up the things around us and in our soul, right? Because the feelings that you get from the praise of the crowd and from the external validation of other people, right? That's one thing. Look, sometimes it's nice to have that, but the feeling that you get from knowing that you have done the very best job you could have done and from knowing that you've cleaned out the cobwebs of your mind, you know, from knowing that you've polished your soul, from knowing that you have worked your very hardest to put yourself together and that you don't need anyone to tell you that you've got done a good job because you know, you know, that's a completely different feeling. That's a completely different kind of joy than the one that you get from the applause of the crowd. And so that's one thing that, you know, I find really uh, uplifting about this idea that, you know, we need to focus our efforts on not the many, but the one. So anyway, Seneca continues. He says, quote, The third saying, and a noteworthy one too, is by Epicurus, written to one of the partners of his studies. I write this not for the many, but for you. Each of us is enough of an audience for the other. Lay these words to heart, Lucilius, that you may scorn the pleasure which comes from the applause of the majority. Many men praise you, but have you any reason for being pleased with yourself, if you are a person whom the many can understand? Your good qualities should face inwards. Farewell. End quote. You know, I just love this idea that he suggests here that, you know, have you really got any reason for being praised if the majority understand you, if the majority, you know, are praising you? I think that that's, uh, it's a very similar idea to the one that I remember he said it to Lucilius uh, at one point in another letter uh, where he, he essentially said, you know, the fact that I haven't heard of you or that I don't hear about you is one of the reasons why I admire you, right? It's because you're busy about your own work. You're busy about your own study, your own uh, internal work, and you're not out there for the praise of the mob or to be talked about. And there's an analogy that's coming to my mind, and I'll, I wonder if you'll go along with me on this. Uh, you know, I want you to imagine that uh, you're booking a holiday home, 
you know, going on a beautiful holiday, you're going across the seas, going to some country that you've never been to, and you you get on Airbnb and you find this stunning house, right? And uh, it's just absolutely beautiful from the outside. Uh, beautiful gardens. It's got double story French windows. Uh, you know, beautiful bricks. It's, it just looks absolutely amazing. And you think this is exactly where I want to stay. I can't wait to go here. So you book it in. You know, and you you're so excited for your holiday. You arrive at this place, and and you get there, and you think, ah, this is exactly what I was after. Look at how beautiful this is. But then you walk inside, and the walls are all broken, the doors are all off their hinges, the plumbing's broken, the water doesn't work, the showers don't work, you know, there's uh, there's cockroaches in the kitchen, you know, the fridge is, is not cold enough and, you know, the beds are all broken. Everything is just in a state of disarray inside this house, right? Now, how would you feel (laughs) having booked this place, having traveled all this way on the impression that because of the outside of the building, it just looked absolutely perfect for you. And then you go inside and it's just in a state of disarray. How would you feel about that? You know, if you look at that house as if it's a person, you know, this is what a lot of people are doing, you know, and and I'll recognize that I've done this a lot in my life you know, which is, which is that you put on that persona, you put in, you know, the beautiful images to everybody else about who, who you want them to think you are, right? And so, on the outside, you seem like you're this perfect, you know, amazing person. That's the persona that we put on in society. Again, you know, it's this idea that there's the part of us that we are parading to other people, and then there's the internal world, which is probably broken a lot, <laughs> and there's, there's a lot to fix up. Now, philosophy is the job of saying, let's stop worrying about that external world for a second. Let's go within. Let's see what we need to fix up. What's the plumbing of our mind that we need to fix? Where are the cobwebs that we need to wipe away? And if you stop focusing so much on the outward appearance and start looking within, it doesn't take you long to find that there's a lot of work to do. And that's the work that really leads to, to... true meaning, true value in your life and true satisfaction. So I guess I'll leave it there, but you know, I hope that you take a few things away from this episode. I I certainly love this idea of, you know, really just focus on doing it for you. Focus on the benefit that you're going to get simply from being virtuous or from pursuing virtue and pursuing wisdom. You know, that's uh, that's some true joy once you once you really start to recognize it. But uh, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I will talk to you next time.